Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. Welcome to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, Ed Meyer. And good evening and welcome to Winning Ponies. I'm your host, Ed Meyer, and thank you for taking time to join us each and every Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, as we talk about the sport of kings. Thanks for taking your time to be with us. Got a big week coming up. Next week's even bigger, but can you name any week in horse racing that's actually not big? There's reasons to play abound, and as horse players, we always find them. That's the best part about the game. What is Winning Ponies up to? Over 3.7 million in easy win forms or data. Things have been smoking, and hopefully you are as well. Easy to use color coded tier levels, speed ratings for this race, the current race, and a composite rating for the last three, turf ratings, handy icons, which always help me to remind me, in-depth rider trainer information, who's doing the best with whom, and of course the one-of-a-kind change of weather tab in case the weather goes south. You know, I've seen so many so many plays. I've seen so many times where people, you know, proclaim that, uh, you know, hey, I found the right data, I found this, I found that. Well, that's great. But, you know, when they put it out 48 hours in advance and the weather blows in with a monsoon, you know, you're not, you're not really prepared. I subscribe to things on email. And the other day, someone actually called. They, want, they wanted your cell phone number. You know, I thought, you know, they would text you something. Nope, they wanted to call and wanted to give out their hot play of the day for nothing. Now grab this. As you hear the guy just rustling the form in the background, it takes me back to a story of a friend of mine, and that's how antiquated it was. They weren't prepared. But each and every week, you can always count on Winning Ponies to guide you and be there. The easy win forms are really user-friendly from the first-time user to the hardcore gambler. I think you're going to find it the one-stop shop for news, blogs, free selections, and, yep, there's an upcoming special so you have to be on the lookout. You're going to be checking in every day. Very nice special indeed. On Facebook, on Twitter. So you need to check it out at www.winningponies.com. Stop gambling and start winning. Never too late to get on board. Speaking about getting on board, we got a recap from last week. We're going to talk about who won what. And then we can talk about biggins and hopefully how much you won where. And then a little story to get you jump started. To kick it off, just like a teacher in uh, third grade, read you a little story to make your day that much more sweeter. Special guest number one will tonight will be heading to Belmont as the trainer of Santiva, 
Belmont 143, that is Mr. Eddie Keneally, going to be joining us in segment number two. Segment number three, our second guest is Daily Racing World columnist, handicapper, and chart caller for Equibase, Mr. John Patrick McDowan. Now you're going to want to be a part of that for segment two and three. We're going to round it up with a little news, final furlong handicapping, a lot to do, so let's just get it on and get it on out there. If you're looking for what's upcoming here, I'm going to run down June 4th and give you the tidbit of June 5th. June 4th is Saturday, Assiniboia Downs. you got the Frank Arnson for 25000 Belmont has the Vagrancy, and Churchill Downs has the Aristides, the Dogwood. Delaware Park has the Gopher One. Hastings has the Emerald Down Stakes. Hollywood Park, the Grade 2 California. Lincoln, the Bluegrass Stakes. Louisiana Downs, the Honeymoon. John Frank's Memorial. In Monmouth Park, you have the Fort Monmouth Stakes. Prairie Meadows has the Panthers for $60,000. And the Prairie Mile for another sixty grand up for grabs. Riodosa Downs has the Free Spirits Handicap Thistle Downs. The Grade 3 Ohio Derby. Check you me. I'm going to ask John McDowan who he likes in there. And uh, we're going to see if he uh, parts a little wisdom because John's one heck of an Ohio handicapper, if not a handicapper overall. In Woodbine, we have the Nassau Stakes. It's it's a great to uh, Canada show. It's for $300,000, and we've got a mile on the turf there. And then on June 5th, the best race of the day uh, by far will be the $500,000 Woodbine Oaks uh, presented by Budweiser. It's for Canadian bread. They're going to go nine furlongs there. That's going to be the big race on Saturday which with, uh, with a host of others. So that is what is happening this weekend, so you can plan ahead, plan just. If you're looking for what happened last week, let's take a look at the Sheep's Head Bay, a great grade two at Belmont Park. $150,000 up for grabs as they went a mile and three eighths on the turf. Winner was Habib. And that is Johnny Velasquez for Saeed Ben Soror. Wins by a solid link over Giants play. And Cheetah rounds out the try. And then we go to Hollywood Park, grade two, the American handicap, 150,000. Upper grass, one mile on the weeds. Winner, Rye Hill Dreamer. JoJo Talamo and Julio Canani by a dirty nose over Sydney's Candy and the usual QT. And then on to onward to grade three in the Woodbine Eclipse Stakes, $171,900 up for grass. 50 proof is the winner with Joe Stein for Ian Blackwins by a half a link. Don Cavallo second, stunning stag rounding out the try. Churchill Downs in a grade three offered up the Louisville Handicap. That is a mile and a half on the weeds. Winner is Kirtana. Jose Lescano and Tommy Proctor who did a yeoman's task here. Coming up, the rail wins by a nose over Bear Path with Frederick Lanku and Ian Wilkes. I mean, they battled a ding-dong all the way to the wire. Guy's reward, I will call it, this is a four-year-old colt, but I'm going to say he is definitely a bridesmaid. I, don't, I won't even call him the best man. This guy is always there. He seldomly wins, but second and third for Guy's reward. Arlington Matron Stakes, grade three at Arlington Park, $100,000 going a mile and an eighth. Winner is Patch Attack. And we got Florida Giroux in the Irons, uh, winning by six lengths, just drawing and destroying the field. La Grand Balladora is second, and Holmes, the best, rounds out the try. So that kind of gets you up in action of what's happening, who did what, who did what where. And hopefully this is all, in fact, about what you were doing all last week. Friday, May 27th, for total biggins, 154 of them. Pretty sweet. Hollywood Park led the pack. Race number eight, a super high five key worth $12,549. 545 
45. Very nice indeed for Hollywood Park. Saturday, May 28th, 145 total biggins. Remington leads the way. Race 9, a Superfecta, $12,648.40. And Sunday, May 29th, 115 total biggins. Los Alamitos, Race 7, a Superfecta box. Five thousand nine hundred and twenty bucks. Low Sal has some great quarter horse racing. Catch, I usually see it on a Friday night, and they've got some incredible pick fours. You you got to give it a give it a look see, and then you can always look us up because if in fact you haven't done your homework, rest assured we have. So you can always play the quarters and enjoy that. Monday, May thirtieth, one hundred twenty four total biggins leading the pack. Canterbury race number eight, a superfecta. Twelve thousand three fifteen sixty. Then on Tuesday, May thirty first, forty three total biggins. Indiana Downs race number eight, a superfecta. In the words of my late friend Kevin Gomer, if you had this one, please sit down. Forty thousand five hundred fifty one dollars and twenty cents. Very good for Indiana Downs. That's that is an incredible hat payoff there. Wednesday, June. First, 73 total biggins. Indiana Downs again. Races two through five. Yep, that's a pick four worth $29,699.80. Thursday, June 2nd, 11 total biggins. Rounding out the pack is Belmont in race six today. Superfecta key, $389.40. But racing is on and up and going. I'm watching Charlestown and Lulu Dahmer. If you've got Lulu Dahmer, he's on top by about five or six on the way home. See? Can't get enough of it myself. I even have it on the background, and, and we're actually sitting here talking about what is happening for this weekend. But you know what? There's nothing better than what's happening right now. Got a little story here, too, for you here. You know, I read this, and it really really made me open my eyes. It's by Jay Pribbin, who does incredible work. Belmont Stakes, if the first seven derby finishers start, which it looks like they will, it will be a record. This is Belmont 143. It was Derby 137. Preakness 136. Belmont 143. We're looking at Animal Kingdom, Nero, Mucho Macho Man, Shackleford, Master of Hounds, Santiva, Brilliant Speed were the first seven across the wire in the Kentucky Derby. And if all come back as now scheduled on June 11th in the Belmont Stakes at Belmont, it will mark the first time ever that the first seven finishers in the Derby also competed in the Belmont Stakes. Incredible. The Derby was run for the 137th time in the Belmont. The final leg of the Triple Crown is being run for the 143rd time. That's quite a bit of racing history for something never to have occurred before. And yet, over a week, one and a half weeks out from the Belmont, and when he was writing this here, one and a half weeks out from the Belmont, there's a strong chance history could be made. In fact, the first six in the Derby never have run all in the Belmont. So it even goes back in 1949 and 50, the first five finishers in the Derby ran the Belmont. In the 50 Derby, there was a dead heat for fifth. So one of the horses in that dead heat, Hawley, came back in the Belmont, but the other horse, Oil Capital, did not. Only five and a half lengths separated the first seven finishers in this year's Derby. Brilliant Speed, who bypassed the Preakness on Wednesday, remained on course for a start in the Belmont. But you know what? All that I have to say is it's going to be a record if they start. And, in fact, there's a really good chance that they might, as we're going to be talking with Eddie Keneally. And when you listen up to what he has to say, I think you're going to understand, and you're going to see that uh, he feels he's got a really 
really good chance here. A little something that caught my eye, and I really like this, that, and, and it talks about Hawaii for visitors. In the late 1800s and early 1900s, horse racing was a favorite sport of the Hawaiian royalty, rich landowners, and plantation workers. At one time, there were horse racing tracks on several of the islands, but the sport died out in Hawaii's by the 1950s. There have been several movements to bring racing back to Hawaii, but there's a long and strong local resistance to bringing any form of legalized gambling to the islands. The only place horse racing can be seen in Hawaii is at some local rodeos and Fourth of July rodeos on the Big Island. You know, and it talks about it here, and, and I was really interested here. Horse racing began in Hawaii when the Park Ranch on the Big Island imported uh, top racing horses from the United States and the mainland. The Hawaiian Jockey Club, founded in 1872 by King Kalakwaya, in 1872 to organize and regulate the sport of kings. Koko Onaumoku horse racing track closes in 1918. This is a really neat story. And it talks about everything and it has pictures here. And I'm taking a look at it. Looks a little bit of Bush League, but it looks like a lot of fun. The Capiolani racetrack, 1883 to 1914. It closed its doors and was demolished in 1914. The Oahu Jockey Club incorporated in 1939 and was built. The Kalua race course, 39 through the late 40s, had a great turn of events and in a great time it was nicknamed the pineapple derby their big race by yank magazine the track lo was located between uh, onawa avenue and kanalua avenue near the site of the present day kanalua elementary and it says the school was the site of horse stables that were adjacent to the track now, this is really kind of interesting. I didn't know there was anything that ever really went on. And then it says there was an attempt to return horse racing to Maui in 59. A bill was proposed, but it, but it failed in the House of Representatives. And it's pretty much lied dormant uh, ever since, though. But anyway, I would have never guessed if you would have made me bet a pop because I had never really read anything on it. Felt it was worthwhile to pass forward to you. And also to pass forward to you about the Belmont, and this could be a very historical Belmont, even though we don't have a Triple Crown runner in the wings. The first seven Derby runners, that, that, that is really a stout group you know, to face up. But you're going to be hearing all about Santiva and Eddie Keneally as we come up in break number two here. Segment number two, that is, but break number one as we head out to it. Well, it is time to head out to that first break, and when we return, we're going to be talking to Eddie Keneally, the trainer of Santiva, but you're only going to get it here on Winning Ponies. Well, I walk into the room, passing out hundred-dollar bills, and it kills, and it thrills like the horns on my silver. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of Horse Tradamus, handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. 
Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. And welcome back to Winning Ponies. I'm your host, Ed Meyer, and thank you for being with us. It is our second segment, and that's where we have on our special guest of the week. This week is no different. Joining us tonight is a professional trainer who's having a very nice year and who trains Belmont hopeful, Santiva, Mr. Eddie Keneally. Eddie, are you there? Yeah, Ed, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, and thank you, sir, for taking your time out to be with us. No problem. Well, thanks so much. Eddie, uh, your first time on with us, uh, have a lot of listeners out really, uh, really enjoy the, the uh, sport of Kings. Can you tell our listeners about uh, your venture into becoming a professional trainer? Was it family, friends, or just the love of your heart? Well, mainly family uh, to begin with. I think, Ed, I grew up with horses in Ireland, and we always had horses at our farm uh, in Ireland, so I'd been riding uh, since I was a kid and been around horses all my life, going to the races with my parents and whatnot. So I've been around horses all my life. Uh, so they're kind of like second nature to me. So kind of grew up in the business, um, came to the U.S. Um, just a, on a work experience program uh, in the breeding part of the of the uh, thoroughbred business uh, to Lexington, Kentucky. Um, liked it, stayed on, and um, it's been all very, very good ever since. Well, it's been nice having you in, in, a, in such a wonderful sport. It's, it's always a lot of fun to watch you saddle runners. Uh, very competitive and uh, makes, makes for a lot of fun for fans alike. And, and I read a bit about you, and correct me if I'm wrong, I, I like to be corrected directly. Uh, Rusty Arnold, I believe you worked with at Keeneland and Pace. And, uh, and if it, that's not true, maybe you know this of him uh, in particular. Is it true that he really preps up and ramps up for the Keeneland and Gulfstream meets? Yeah, absolutely, especially Keeneland. Uh, Rusty always wins at least one race at Keeneland every spring and fall uh, for a number of years. I did uh, gallop horses for Rusty for a couple of years. I also worked as an assistant trainer for Tom Skiffington uh, for for a number of years, and that's kind of who I came up with in in this country. But 
Yeah, um, did spend a, a couple of years there galloping horses for Rusty. It seems like you know him from the ground up, and that makes for quite a horseman. A lot of uh, a lot of interesting stories, I'm sure. And you come up under the tutelage of such wonderful people who've made their name as being good horsemen in our sport. Uh, in the course of a year for you, where would you call home base? Well, uh, Churchill Downs is my home base. Um, that's where we've had the most success, and um, I have. Um, I have a, a great love of Churchill Downs. I like racing there. I like training there. We we race it uh, in Kentucky um, uh, in the spring, summer, and fall. We don't race it in the wintertime. We take our horses to Palm Meadows in in uh, South Florida, and uh, but uh, we spent some time in New York as well. We have a division in uh, in New York uh, at Saratoga and Belmont. How many head do you have currently? Yeah, we normally we don't want to get too big. We normally have around fifty. That's what we like to have. Fifty is norm is a is a comfortable number for me, and um, I can have horses in two different space, places. For instance, uh, Kentucky and New York, and um, I think I can manage two barns pretty well. I, I don't I don't need to have them in a third location. You must have a great supporting cast of assistant trainers, etc. We have a great crew. Um, we're very fortunate. Uh, Brendan Walsh, my main assistant, has uh, been with me for three or four years now and, and does a fantastic job. And, um, yeah, we've got a huge, huge crew, but um, all good people, and we're very fortunate, absolutely. It's the backbone of every great operation, uh, you know, under the, under the guidance and uh, watchful eye of a very good horseman. You trained for the, the late Jack Kent Cook, uh, Elmendorf Farm. And in 97, you go out as a public operation, and you notch up a great career milestone in the $2 million Dubai Golden Shaheen with Kelly's Landing. Can you describe to our listeners what this was, what it meant in your career as a trainer? Sure. Kelly's Landing was a great horse for my career, and he was a great horse. Um, the fact that he was my first big-name horse, uh, won several stakes. Uh, he won the Phoenix at Keeneland, the Aristides at Churchill, the Mr. Prospector at, uh, at Gulfstream, and, of course, the $2 million uh, Golden Shaheen out in Dubai. So that was a great trip. That horse brought us a lot of thrills to travel with your first uh, runner in Dubai and to win on your first uh, crack at it was phenomenal and um, I, and that was like in, in that was in 2007 so um, I haven't been back there yet uh, when I went in 2007 and won I, I had hoped to go back every year with a live horse but uh, it's just circumstances we haven't been able to get the right horse to bring back and hopefully next year we'll, we'll have the right horse but um, you do need to have a special kind of horse and Kelly Vanning was the horse that could overcome a lot he, he could ship anywhere and it didn't phase him mentally he could ca- he could handle himself very well and i think that's the key with those horses uh, that ship well they have to have the mentality for it and he certainly did and uh, i still use that horse in the winter time as a stable pony uh, we give him the summer and fall off and uh, we bring him to florida every winter and i use them all winter and um Jack and Louise Summer Place Farm, who owned the horse and bred him, they like to have him in Florida at Palmetto's in the wintertime. They like to have him in uh, Kentucky at their farm the rest of the year turned out. So it works out real good, and he's a very special horse. Does Kelly's Landing still own the 15-2 and record at Churchill Downs? 
He does not. He, he that oh. was broken since by about one or two one hundredths of a second. Oh. Uh, he went, but both both horses. Uh, he and uh, and more recently another horse went in one oh seven and two, uh, but. Uh, he doesn't still hold that record, but uh, he's still a, a very, very special horse for me, and um, I enjoy uh, riding him every day throughout the winter. I'm sure it's something that uh, it can only be described uh, aboard in, in the morning and, and just how much beautiful it really truly must be. Something else I, I read about your operation, which you know really was a part of uh, the modern age of horse racing. According in your operation, all racing clients, rest assured, they are informed of all things at all times. Well, that's important, and I think the fact that we're not a big, huge operation, I think I can, I can manage it well, and I can uh, stay close in contact with the with the clients that own the horses. And I think that's important uh, to to not have too many horses to where you just can't get to the clients and you just can't talk to them. You just don't have time, um, and and oftentimes some owners get shuffled by the wayside. So I feel like. Uh, uh, I can manage that number of horses well and cater to all the owners without without having them having to worry. I'd be remiss if I didn't bring it up. Santiva, how is Santiva coming along? He's doing well. Um, came out of the Derby well. Um, finished sixth in the Derby, beaten five and a half lengths, and ran well. Uh, we prepped him in the bluegrass, and he had a bad trip in the bluegrass, which was unfortunate. He didn't have running room, and he was bottled in throughout the race. Didn't get everything out of the bluegrass. He was the favorite that day, but uh, finished in the middle of the pack. Didn't get everything out of that race that I had hoped to from a fitness standpoint. And maybe got a little tired in the derby. So, um, yeah, he had, a, he, had a, he had a hard race in the, in the derby, but a good trip. Come out of the race perfectly, and has uh, had two good works since derby. And he will have one more work this weekend, and then he'll run the following weekend that... Um, at Belmont, in the Belmont. That is incredible. We've got our fingers crossed, and, and we're rooting for Santiva. I, I have to tell you, when, when I was looking at it on paper, there were three or four runners in there that really caught my eye, and Santiva being one of them, as it was such a vast open field. I think the sixth-place finish is very deceiving. I think it's much better than it appears on paper. Well, I think if you get beaten five-and-a-half lengths in the Derby, um, it's a good effort. Um, we finished ahead of some very, very nice horses. Um, however, the Belmont's a tough race. Animal Kingdom, very nice horse. Um, so I think he's going to be uh, the legitimate favorite, and I think his pedigree suggests that he will handle the distance. Also, Master of Hounds coming back. He, he finished right in front of us in the, in the Derby. He'll benefit from the added distance. He's a horse that we need to worry about. Nero, very, very good horse. Finished second in his last three stars all, all uh, major races. So he's a horse uh, to worry about as well. And, of course, Shackleford, don't forget him. So it's, it's a tough race. In fact, it always is. It was the 137th Derby, but it's the 143rd Belmont. It is coming up as the final leg of the Triple Crown. Eddie, I didn't know if you really kept up on this. It actually appeared in the Daily Racing form from Jay Pribbon, who's incredible. It says, if first seven derby finishers start, it will be a record in history of 143 years that the first seven finishers are going to run in the Belmont together. Well, that's ironic. Uh, normally, the the, Bel- uh, the the Derby seems to be um, a tough race on horses, and oftentimes uh, many of the runners from the Derby uh, 
uh, go by the wayside. So that's a good uh, that's a good uh, piece of information. If the first seven finishers from the Derby show back up in the in the Belmont Stakes, and um, that'd be great. I think it'd be great for our sport and and great for the game overall. And and actually, after the Preakness, when they when they show the ratings, they were up. I think uh, it's starting to creep up with an upward swing. But uh, racing's got a long way to go. But it's at least moving in a positive direction. Eddie, we always end up with the fast fire questions, and they're usually yes, no, and tongue in cheek. Nothing personal, that I promise. And you don't get the big check at the end of uh, end of this test. But there are five rapid questions. Are you ready for them? Absolutely. Yes or no. Okay. <laughs> or, you know, a, a line a line or so, whatever you choose. Question one, what do you do in your spare time? I play racquetball and I watch a lot of soccer. I am a huge fan of the English Premier League and I watch a lot of soccer. Um, but I'm a huge fan of racing, so when I'm not racing my own horses, I'm handicapping and, and watching racing. <laughs> Who, who's your soccer team? Frankly, I don't have a team. Um, I just uh, try to watch as many of the of the Premier League games that I can. That's neat. That is neat. Question two: Do you have a favorite track in the United States? Well, we're stable at Saratoga. We're stable at Palm Meadows, but I'm still going to stick to Churchill. That's that's where I play. <laughs> that's my favorite track. Yeah, Churchill oh. Downs. Hopefully we'll see you wearing roses next uh, in the first Saturday of next year. Question three. With keeping a rider or two employed for the most part, uh, you, of course you ride many other riders, but you know, there, there seems to be the two or three riders. Do you feel that this helps in your communication process? Yeah. Uh, on the circuit that I race in, uh, um, we tend to end up using Julian Le Peru for the most part because he's, he's a, a top rider wherever we go. We're at Keeneland, Churchill, Gulfstream, and... and um, Saratoga, and he does very well at all four of those tracks. So, therefore, um, he's the one that ends up riding the bulk of our horses, and we've had a lot of success together. So uh, I I like to use Julian, and, um, of course, Sean Bridgman rides Santiva. He won the Kentucky Jockey Club um, on the horse. Sean's a little bit more available now. At one time, he was... uh, he was riding mainly for one one stable, but now he's uh, branched out and he's he's become a lot more available. So we're using Sean quite a bit, and um, of course, while I'm in Kentucky, I like to use Corey Landry a lot as well. He's a very underrated rider. Currently, he's a leading rider at Churchill Downs, and um, he's a very very good rider also. I see you have a maiden, I believe, in about race eight. I believe Corey Landry is aboard on Saturday. Uh, correct. Yeah, um, we have um, we have only one horse running on Saturday, and Corey rides that one. And we've got a couple of Friday. Julian rides one. Corey rides two of them. And um, yeah, they're they're my go-to guys for, for the most part. And then two very very good gentlemen uh, had the pleasure of meeting both. Actually, Julian's been a he's uh, been kind enough to be our guest twice. And I guess we're going to owe him a twelve pack of uh, Diet Coke. Question number four, what is on your bucket list, if anything, in racing? Uh, anything you want to do, uh, you want to win the World Cup, you want the Derby, what do you want to get on well, your Well, I think anybody that's involved in racing um, in this country wants to win the Kentucky Derby, for sure. I mean, that would be every trainer's number one uh, uh, race to win, if possible. So certainly the Kentucky Derby. Um, 
after that, there's a multitude of uh, prestigious races throughout the country that, that any trainer would like to win, myself included. But definitely, the Derby is the race. Well, we're going to be wishing you extra special luck, and uh, with our fingers crossed, uh, as as the old uh, saying goes, uh, don't don't put too much pepper on it. But actually, we spoke to Graham Motion prior to the Derby, and then we had the wonderful the wonderful time of chatting with uh, chatting with Jesus Castanon, rider aboard Shackleford, right before the Preakness, and hopefully this uh, this brings it luck, and we uh, will be a part of uh, Team Santiva as you uh, parade around on Belmont. Day 143. Final question, sir. If you could give any words of wisdom to a young trainer in waiting, what would it be? The best advice you could give any young person that wants to be a trainer is uh, you just gotta you gotta work hard. I think that's the main thing. And um, try to try to read the form as much you can, and try to try to look at PPs as much as you can, and try to learn what it takes to win. Um, it's simple enough. But um, I think you really need to spend time with the form, the PPs, and try to learn that. And I think that's really, really important. But the most important thing is you, you, if nothing comes easy, you've got to work at it. I like it. The harder I work, the luckier I will be. Mr. Keneally, on behalf of well, – I'm sorry. I said that's exactly right. I couldn't agree with you more there, Ed. <laughs> Mr. Keneally, on behalf of Winning Ponies, we'd like to thank you for taking your time with us this evening. We wish you nothing but the best on and off the track. Once again, thanks for your time. Best of luck to you and your operation, and we'll be rooting for you in Belmont 143, sir. All right. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thanks very thank much. Thank you, Mr. Keneally. Have a great evening. Take care. Eddie Keneally, he's been on with us, and he's shooting for the Belmont 143. I say we take his words and let's follow him up. But you're only going to get it if you stay tuned for some more picks here on Winning Ponies. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of Horse Stradamus, handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right from high school to the pros we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports you're tuned in to winning ponies with your host ed meyer got a tip for us need a tip from us if you want to talk with ed or his guests the phone lines are now open toll free at 1-888-346-9144 that's 1-888-346-9144 or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com now back to winning ponies with ed meyer and welcome back once again to winning ponies i'm ed meyer hope you caught eddie keneally Irish gentleman, horseman, very nice indeed, makes his attempt at Belmont 143, etching to make history. 
Best of luck. Mr. Keneally, hope it turns out very well. I think it's a matter of time before we see him in the major oval. But speaking about somebody that's in the major oval, he's a very good friend of mine. It is time for our next guest, Daily Race World columnist, Equibase chart color, and a handicapper extraordinaire, Mr. John Patrick McDoolan. Johnny, are you in the house? I'm here, Ed. How's it going? It's going great. How about you, my friend? Uh, it couldn't be better. <laughs> I love to hear it. Mac, welcome back once again. It's always good to hear your voice. Uh, jumping right into a derby. Belongs to Animal Kingdom and Graham Motion. Shackelford wires him in the Preakness. Where do you see Belmont 143 heading? You know, I mean, Animal Kingdom's been doing so great up there. I mean, it's been unbelievable. Um, his derby win, you know, I, 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 I've always said this. you got to look at the time, and, and nobody got close to Secretariat's time. Um, uh, Shackelford in the Preakness, I, you know, I, I wasn't, to be quite honest, really impressed. Um, I think if either one of those two is going to repeat, it'll be Animal Kingdom. Um, Grand Motion, I was reading something today that he said he wishes the race were sooner. His horse is doing so great, he doesn't want to wait. Um, so, you know, that's good. But the one thing, um, Woody Stevens, I, uh, did he win seven Belmonts, eight Belmonts, something crazy. Yes. Seven. And, um, it, and one, uh, the, the guy that, that uh, worked for him was Nick Zito. And so when it comes to the Belmont, it, I, I always look to, just like I used to look to Woody Stevens, I always look to Nick Zito and see what he's sending out because I think Woody taught him how to get him ready for that race. And, uh, and so that's, that, that's kind of what I'm looking at to see. And, and to be quite honest, I've been busy and, and the Belmont's a week away and I'm not sure what he's going to send out, but if it's not animal kingdom, uh, brilliant speeds, another horse that I, that I, think is underachieved um in the derby and I, I think i read something where the, they're talking about the first seven derby finishers yes. going in the belmont which will be the first time in either uh, a long time or first time ever i'm not sure ever. so in your daily yeah. racing form uh, jay pribnan brought that up this is going to be the first time in history the first seven finishers in the derby eddie keneal even said that he said you know it's kind of ironic he said usually a few fall by the way said it's a grueling race yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, a lot of them didn't make it to the uh, to the Preakness, but you know, we'll see what happens. And uh, you know, Animal Kingdom, like I said, yeah, Grand Motion's a heck of a horseman. I, I met him up at Prescott Isle and and talked to him a lot of times up there and and about different horses for races. And and I mean, he's a great guy and a great horseman. And if he thinks his horse is ready, he, he's not one usually to blow smoke like. You know, some guys, I'm not going to mention any names. but <laughs> You know, Mac, I, I like it when filter is off. I, li I definitely like that. Do you ever think yeah. we're going to see a Triple Crown winner, or is it just too damn tough with blowout fields and a cavalry charge of 19 in the Derby, 14 in the Preakness uh, in the first two legs? You, you think we're going to see another one? I don't think it has anything to do with field size or anything else. I really and truly believe for how many years, it was like 15 or 20 years, all the top young horses were bought by the Sheikhs and, and the people in England and were shipped overseas. So all the great breeding uh, stock, you know, I, I don't know. It, it had to have been at least 15 years. might have been 20. Well, they were taking all the good horses and, you know, I mean, they had all the money and they were buying them and taking them over there. And I, to be quite honest, I'd, you know, it, it's weakened the horses over here a lot, I think. And so, I, you know, I don't know if we ever will. And the other thing is, you know, there's so much money involved, and the, and the trainers want to make excuses for their horses. And, you know, 
it, it's kind of like pitchers in, in, in baseball. You know, I, I was, the other day uh, they were talking about a 18-inning game and both of the pitchers went the distance. And now, you know, a guy's lucky to go six innings. And it's, it's kind of the same thing with horses. You know, there used to be horses that would run and run and run. And, and now, you know, they get three or four good races and they decide they can breed them and make money. And, and that's kind of what happens. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think until... Uh, things get a little better over here and, and we start buying some of the better bloodstock, you know, I, I can't see it happening. I really thought this year that in the Derby, uh, if, if they sent a good horse over, um, that it, it could do something because just because I didn't think this year's field was that great. And then the guy brought the horse over like two or three days before the race. I'm thinking, you know, you need, why wouldn't you bring a horse over a couple of weeks early and let it get used to the track and, you know, used to the noise and used to everything at Churchill instead of bringing it in just a couple of days before the race? It just seemed like a huge culture shock. So, um, that's a good, that's a good point. And in a great analogy with baseball there, I mean, you know, uh, sport versus sport. Uh, I don't, I agree. I don't think we're just hardy enough and I don't think we, we, we ask enough out of our runners, but it harkens back to something I heard D Wayne Lucas say, you know, they have X amount of races in them. So it's you know, your opportunity to run them at two or three and, or try to hold them together beyond. But, you know, he didn't see too many four year olds to the track, but you know, he yeah. sure, uh, he sure woke up the world with two and three year olds so. Right. Well, that's, you know, and that's the other problem with the, with our racing, I think, is, is that's where all the money is. And so there's a huge hurry to get them to the races. And, and I mean, the Triple Crown is, is really important, but there's, there's so much money in the two-year-old races that, the, you know, they, they rush them a little bit. I mean, back, you know, when we had Triple Crown winners, there, there weren't a number of huge purses for two-year-old races where the guys just, you know, I, I think they got them ready too soon and, and rushed them too fast now to try to make the money to, to try to get – you know they cost so much that the they, they want to keep the horse and make the owner happy and try to recoup some of that investment and and i i you know it's become a, a business instead of a sport which you know hmm. I'm, I, everything does but yes yeah, you know, how many movies have we seen where it's, uh, you know, just when you call it a business, I call it a sport, and when I call it a sport, you call it the business. It, it's right. a tough uh, tough piece of ice to stand on. Mac, you cover many other racing ovals and districts. Uh, give us some insight into what is happening in uh, John McDoolan's world of racing. Well, I cover Pennsylvania. Well, not the whole Pennsylvania, just Presque Isle Downs. I cover uh, River, Southern Ohio, Buellen River, and then all of Indiana, and so... Um, actually, there's things going on at all three tracks. Some good, some bad. For the bad, um, there was a there was an article last week in the forum where the slot machine subsidies are down 16.7 percent um, from the year before in Pennsylvania because uh, the uh, some of the money went to the general fund, which I, I think is going to be more and more. Um, you know, as, as the states find themselves in trouble. Um, that's where they're going to is to take the horseman's money because I, I like in, in Pennsylvania, for example, only 19% of the total amount of the purses was from handles. So, so that means 80.8% was from slot machines. Um, and, and so the, uh, you know, the legislatures are seeing that and trying to raid the funds and, you know, they were unsuccessful in Indiana, um, but they were successful in Pennsylvania. So those have dropped, um, Indiana, on the other hand, the uh, slot machines are doing great over there, and, and uh, Butch Cook called me today, the racing secretary at Indiana Downs, and said that uh, purses are going up over there. They're going up, uh, I believe 
it starts Tuesday, and I think they take entries tomorrow. Twelve um, percent across the board, which is like a thousand dollars purse increase for like a five thousand dollar claimer. So, I mean, there you know, one state on one side of us is increasing, and the other side is decreasing. Um, Ohio is, I think, as far as I can tell, I talked to Dave Basler, who's uh, I used to work with, is a good friend of mine. And he's at the head of the Ohio HBPA, and uh, Governor uh, Kasich has uh, he has a committee, uh, you know, studying gambling and what's going on, and they're very favorable to uh, the slot machines at the racetrack, and so that's something that I think the way it sounds, um, it's very very positive, and they're and they're pretty uh, they're pretty happy about um, you know that that that's going to become a reality finally. But once again, you know, with with what's happening in Pennsylvania, exactly how much it's going to help racing in Ohio, and Ohio is so far behind the curve. I mean, you know, every state in the world it seems like has it except Ohio, and so maybe we'll finally get it. But you know, the way Pennsylvania is going, it it, may, it might be too late. So um, that's kind of where that stands. Well, and, okay, and, we know, get we got the bad end of the side. Is, is so. Is there any is there anything exceptionally good out there? Well, you know, Riverdown's on track handle is up thirty percent, thirty two percent actually for the first thirteen days, which, you know, that's great. And and uh, uh, and like I said, Indiana's purses are up, you know, twelve percent. Um, Ohio's, uh, you know, I, I mean, it's great. I'm sure you hate to hear it. After you leave, they finally they go from spending zero dollars the last two years on marketing to. <laughs> Two hundred and fifty thousand this year, which you know, just uh, and and it the handles up thirty two percent. Like, who wouldn't have guessed that? You know, <laughs> people actually know you're open. It makes a difference, huh? If you if you turn on the close sign, uh, <laughs> people will drive by, won't they? Exactly. So you know, I mean, it, it's it's looking up. It it will. It just kind of once again, it's wait and see. But it's been wait and see for the last fifteen years. But. I think Ohio, anyway, is as close to getting slots as, as we've ever been, from everybody I've talked to, anyway. The only thing that I'll tell you firsthand is be careful what you wish for. Saturday, June exactly. 4th, the Ohio Derby, grade three, $100,000 up for grabs, Johnny. Happens to Thistle Downs. I believe they're going to go a mile on the 16th. Ten go post for at 5.50 p.m. Uh, it's the Ohio Derby, and I know this is part of your ballywick. Yeah, but you know, it's uh, they dropped the purse. I can't believe it's still graded. Um the purse is down to 100,000. Caleb's Posse looks like it, you know, be the favorite. Um horse finished second in the Rebel had trouble at the start in the Arkansas Derby, pretty much lost all chance. But I mean, a horse to finish second in the Rebel being the favorite for the for the um uh, Ohio Derby's just, you know, it's not great. There's there's a horse called Marco's Fly that uh, Brooke its maiden at Thistle is coming back. Global uh power Power, yeah, I can't read my own writing. It global power. Um, it's going to be here's first stake try, and and so it's going to be a weak field. Um, you know, it's one of those deals where anything can happen. I think. You know, I, when you mentioned the global power, seven to two, Jeffrey Sanchez for Chad Brown. Chad Brown's winning twenty eight percent on a year, sixty five percent of the money. Two races, both of them show promise, John. And you know, as as a handicapper of the Ohio Derby, you you have a pretty good insight of what to look for. And this son of pulpit looks like he can pounce. He has a bullet work at Belmont, a fifty nine and three. Chad Brown's hot. Sanchez is a great Florida rider, and he's proven it elsewhere. And JJ Castellano, the normal rider, is staying in New York to ride Hilda's. Pass 
passion, the three to five shot in the vagrancy. So I think Sanchez has got one hell of a pickup out here on the global power. Yeah, he sure does. And like I said, you know, Caleb's posse. You know, I, I, you know, I haven't seen the morning line. I'm guessing you're you're looking at it now. Is that is that horse a? Uh, is it the favorite? I, he was the favorite, John. Uh, actually, I did not uh, did not write it down. I, I I scanned exactly who I liked, and after that, it was uh, I, I started losing. I lost interest in hundred thousand race. There, there's too many others out there. Belmont has a sweet pick for on that day. Right. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's what I've been looking at. But yeah, I mean, there's a couple other ones. Marco's fling, like I said, broke his maiden by seven lengths at Thistle. Um, he's going to try his first stake attempt. And you know, uh, Valiant Ten Ten O'Bob is, is uh, won the Michigan Futurity. You know, Michigan bred. So it's it's hard uh, to get excited about horses like that. To be quite honest, um, yeah, I, I think they'd have been better off to do just like River Downs is doing and, and postponing their big race again. I'm not sure. Maybe it was, you know, um, they were worried about losing their grade. I'm not sure how many years you can not run a race before it's graded, but I would think that the committee would look at this race and, and next year um, it, it probably won't be graded. But, no, that's just my opinion, and everybody uh, it's, it's it's you know what when uh, McDowell puts it out there, it's more than opinion. It's actually formulated thought. I, I like that, and, and I like that it filters off. Mac, before I get your uh, your big play of the weekend, I have to ask you as a columnist uh, for the Daily Racing Forum after the Derby. Now I'm not going to beat a dead horse. I said I wasn't even going to mention this anymore. <laughs> after the Derby. Did Barry Irwin step over the line, or did he just hang himself publicly? You know, his 15 minutes are up, or did the or did the uh, the media and the press just do their jobs, or is it just D all the above and Barry Irwin just made it easy? You know, I, you know, I, I, he was just Barry. I, I didn't blame him a bit. I knew exactly what he was saying, and he. So what he said was not wrong. I mean, there, there are so many. I have tons of trainers that are friends, and it's not. It's not that they lie. It's that they don't want to. They want to sugarcoat it to the owner. And you know, some people like Barry Irwin don't want to sugarcoat it. They just want the facts. And you know, if he's not getting the facts, then that's why he switched to Grand Motion, and you know, it worked out for him. So if, if he's going to tell them what's what is actually going on. Um, you know, I don't know. I think he was just being honest, but... But, As a sports know. writer, Mac, he should have known better. On the public stage, you just won the Derby. Basically, Bob Newmar looked like he was going to crack in half, which I can't blame him. But on the public stage, and you were a sports writer, it was the worst time, the worst time. I mean, you talk about it after the fact. Well, you write right. a book you're about right. it later. Yeah. But, I mean, on the national stage, when all eyes, when every Aunt Nellie in the world is betting two bucks as a horse racing fan on that day, right. this yeah, guy makes an ass out of himself racing. publicly. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it, it wasn't good for horse racing, that's for sure. Um, I'm glad. I'm you know, glad it's over, though. I'm, I, you know, 15 minutes. Yeah. They, they look like they're clicking by. Yeah, but you know, that's one of the things that I learned when I first got into this business. Is uh, you know, spectators. I, I was at the, the first announcing job I had was at Fair Meadows at Tulsa, and <clears throat> I would change every time. You know, you do the post parade, and I would say, "So and so is the jockey. So and so is, you know, the rider." And, and this guy from Mutuals came up and said, you, you shouldn't do that. You should say the same thing every time. I said, why is that? And he said, because, you know, people think that sometimes these things are fixed and that you're giving a hint by saying, 
you know, if two races in a row, you change it up and say, so-and-so is the jockey, you think you're giving a, you know, you're giving him a tip. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And he said, no, you know, that's How long did he stay in your office? You know, and so <laughs> I, I'm going, okay. I mean, what do you, you know, everybody, you know, since you're the beginning a young of time, kid, you're, you're every horse race right. is fixed. And you know, <laughs> I, I wish that's the way it was because I'd be a rich man, but I'm not. So We, would, we wouldn't have to even ever worry again, Johnny. I, I also read exactly. that I read that longtime Cal Expo track announcer uh, Joe Alto passed away at 78. So, in fact, John, you never know. Don't put up your golden pipes just yet. And uh, yeah. you might be call- you might be calling harness horses somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I can I can just imagine. <laughs> you can see that happening, John. Mm-hmm. Big, week, big weekend in Ohio. Saturday, June fourth, the Ohio Derby. Great three hundred thousand dollars at Thistle Downs. Post uh, time is five fifty. But you know, aside from you know you know one of the beats that you actually cover and it is near and dear to your heart. Uh, do you have any plays that you'd like to you know share with the rest of us, or do you just want to keep them and get rich on your own? No, you know, I love Belmont Park and Saratoga. I don't do so well at Aqueduct. I used to do a tip sheet for Belmont. I did one at River Downs. I did one at Canterbury Park. And I've always loved it, and I do well there. Um, and they have a late pick four that they... Uh, 300,000. 300,000, yeah, guaranteed. And so... and. and Usually what I like to do in those kind of races is find a horse, you know, one race or two races maybe where I can single a horse and then go a little wider um, in the other races. And, and that's what kind of this, this weekend it works out well. And the seventh at Belmont, the first or the uh, seventh race, the first of the uh, pick four is a, a one-mile allowance for New York breads. And there's a nine-to-five favorite in there who I don't like at all. I had a big buyer last time breaking his maiden. And uh, those horses, for some reason, at Belmont have been getting scorched. Uh, there was a one to five shot today. It looked exactly like that horse. It, um, it got nothing. Well, actually, it ran second. But um, the, the three horse in there, South Beach Sandy, um, Ram- Ramon Dominguez rides it, um, going a mile for the third time. And it's one of those horses that we've talked about before. He ran a 73 buyer his first time out last year. You move him up 10 buyer points. Um, you know, his fourth out off a layoff. I think he'll be set, and uh, I'm going to use South, I'm going to single South Beach Sandy in the first leg. In the second leg, uh, as a maiden claiming event, six furlongs on the turf, and there's all the years doing uh, tip sheets. I, I I figured out that the best spots I ever have are turf and maidens, and especially maiden turfs. I don't know why, but that's I, I seem to be the most winners and and do the best in either maiden races or turf races. And excuse me. And uh, and so in the second leg, um, there are four horses I'm going to use. I'm going to use the three Amari, the four Frothy Market um, horse that you mentioned earlier, uh, Chad Brown, doing very well. The horse is a favorite, but I, I don't. You know, there there are a lot of other horses in there. I think got a shot. Steve Asmussen's got a first time starter that had a bullet work a few back at up there called Big Apple Lady, the eight horse. I think you've got to use that. And then Chris Clement's got one dropping from maiden special weight last year um, with a buyer of 51 to 25,000. This is the horse I really like in the race. If I bet another, if I spread out anywhere else, I'm going to single this horse. Juliana is, uh horse was uh, in a maiden race last year. It's only out on the turf. It ran a buyer of 51. And a maiden special weight is in for 25 today. 
Um, I really like that horse. In the ninth race, there's a three to five shot. I don't know how in the heck they're going to beat it. They're going six and a half furlongs. It is the Hilda's Passion, the two JJ Castellano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Vagrancy Handicap. I was trying to think of the name of it. The Grade Two Vagrancy. Um, Hilda's Passion. Uh, Pletcher. I don't know how they're going to beat it. Castellano. D, he won five today, so he's on a roll there. Wow. Um, he's a good rider. A, so that's a free yeah. spot there, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. So you use that, and then you, you know I'm going to use four in the tenth race. Um, I guess you could go use as many as you like. You could even do an all all maybe and hope hope for a bomb. But uh the one horse song for Pup Cake, um is, is a a never win two that uh has been running buyers in the upper seventies and eighties, which always always get there. I don't like that the horse is one for nine, but there's a lot of them in here like that. Uh horse new tomorrow, broke his maiden last time at Woodbine. In April, going five furlongs, but it's Wesley Ward, and that guy, I mean, he, he's a heck of a horse trainer. And that's another thing, uh, if we got a minute, Ed, J- Jose Corrales is, is a, a new trainer at River Downs, and he mm-hmm. was an assistant for Wesley Ward. The guy's winning like 26% of his races or something. So that's wow. some, River Downs, you always have to check for him. He's a Wesley Ward assistant. He went out on his own at Beulah and won, oh, it was unbelievable. He won like eight of his first 12 races or something up there. And, uh, so he's somebody you want to watch at River. Well, then we got anyway. that up. Johnny, with 30 seconds to go, and not to interrupt you rudely, uh, 30 seconds still we shut her down. we got to finish out race 10. We've already got race 7, 8. got a free spot in 9, race 10. Who are they again? I'm going to use the 1, Songford Pupcake, the 3, New Tomorrow, the 4, Frazzy, and the 9, Bobbity Boo. And that's it. Bobbity Boo. I like it. And, uh, any time a Wesley Ward's coming in there, I agree. Mac, on behalf of Winning Ponies, I'd like to thank you, and hopefully we can get you back a little earlier in the summer if you'll uh, permit, sir. Anytime, at any time. You know that. John, it's great talking to you. Talk to you soon, my Thanks, friend. Buddy. I'll see you. You heard John McDoolan. You've heard Eddie Keneally. You've heard, you've heard the late pick four Belmont from John McDoolan from the racing form. So, in fact... How sweet could it be? Well, time flies when you're talking thoroughbred racing. This week is no different. Winning Ponies, I'd like to thank Mr. Eddie Keneally and Mr. John McDoolan for joining us as our special guest, and especially you for tuning in each and every Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. So until next week, may your winners be many and your photos be few. Good luck and good night, everyone. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.